Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 131. This is our 2020 US Open course research preview. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have US Open champion punter, Barry O'Hanrahan, who landed Gary Woodland at Pebble Beach last year. Hello there, Barry. How are you? Hello. Good memories. God, it's... uh... A little bit over a year, but I'd love to catch just a slice of that magic again and what pull another the, what big was the, one out. What was the price? 100 to 1. Well, that, I had him on Betfair and in the bookies, so I had him, it was a little bit shorter with the bookies. And uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun old week. A very fun week. Gary Woodland bought me, some, yeah, bought me some new golf clubs and some golf gear. <laughs> He doesn't know it, but he's he one of my favourite people. Car and <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, try try uh, try catch that one again. It'd be nice. So, yeah. I, golf betting yeah. golf betting can be a very cruel mistress, can't it? But it can really pay off sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, finding that balance and hopefully end uh, end up on the black side of things um, rather than the red at the end of the day or at the end of the year. So. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. We're up to five and a half thousand golf punters and players in that group. So come along. Please look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Of course, there will be a US Open tips preview next Monday. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. I've got a couple here. First one from... Con Bow, and he's in Great Britain. Title, great podcast. I just had to write another review, exclamation mark. He's given us five stars. I've been listening to this podcast for nearly two years now. Unfortunately, I miss some due to work commitments. I always look forward to listening to the new podcast each week. I love all of the insight about each tournament. The hard work all of you put in really shows. I love your podcast. Well, thank you very much for that, Con Bow. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we we'll be all suffer from the same thing. There's a lot of podcasts out there these days, and life is busy, so you don't get to them all. But uh, no. you know, it's nice that you do the little short YouTube videos as well, and there's the written previews too to to just get that uh, snapshot of what we talk about on the pod. Plenty to consume each week, Barry. Absolutely. And then I've got one here from Ireland. This is from uh, GMCTR. And he's titled this quality podcast, five stars, top-notch analysis and tipping, won a USPGA sweepstakes this past weekend, following the same line of approach taken by the guys. Great work. Thank you. Outstanding. Great news. Outstanding. So, without more of a miss, should we talk about the US Open? Yes, please. That's the idea, isn't it? I don't know about you. I mean, I never really... How do I put this? Pebble Beach and I, I've had some winners there at the AT&T. I struggle with it a little bit around there. I don't know why. And I never really got overly excited about last year. Now, clearly, you scored a 100-to-1 winner, and fantastic work it was as well. 
Um, but I like the way that what you, you used your logic last year to find the winner. And there are some really pertinent points that um, I've already uncovered and dug out that we can, we can go through with the listeners about um, exactly what kind of trends we want to be seeing from players going into this week, uh, what kind of skills we want the players to be mastering as they arrive in New York this week. Um, and also, I want to really hunker down this uh, on this podcast in terms of the course, because as you were, we were just talking off mic, this is an absolute beautiful golf course and a unique golf course. It really is. It reminds me, it reminds me of Oakmont 2016, a traditional old style golf course that can just eat you up for breakfast. Mm. Yeah, definitely the you know fast slopey greens. Yeah, there's a lot here. There is there will be a vibe of Oakmont and. I remember the the rough there being particularly lush and juicy, mm-hmm. and a very very stern challenge for the the players that day. And unfortunately uh, for you know the Irish side of me, Shane Lowry uh, came a cropper to it on the Sunday. But um, yeah, let's get let's get on to winged foot. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the way the things I'm hearing about it and feeling the feelings I'm getting just from looking at it and you know reading about it. It's almost like this is a. It feels to me like it could be a Marion, but with like just beefed up on length. Yeah. You know, everybody thought they would tear Marion apart when it was raining that week, and it just it challenged them like nobody could expect. I don't think uh, maybe a few on the inside of Marion who really knew how that place is, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be. I mean, we can talk about what skills you need for this course. I mean. If you're going to be in the top 10 or top 20, you need all of your skills to be firing at like max capacity from what I can see. Mm. Uh, and any weaknesses, you'll be just very badly exposed. I think there is one danger with the US Open. And I think the danger with the US Open is we, we're used to it. We're already seeing it on Twitter. We're already seeing it on social media. Just continual videos and images about the length of rough and people for, oh my it's five inches, it's five and a half inches. I found some rough here, it's eight inches. It's all out of control. And it's very easy to take a US Open and think, well, actually, I need a a really accurate driver of the golf ball because as soon as they're going into this kind of rough, it's bogey or double bogey at best. The trouble with that strategy is when you actually look at the list of US Open winners recently, you don't exactly see many short hitters on there, do you? You know, Justin Rose in 2013 at Merion, as you mentioned, a nice, you know, 300-plus driver of the golf ball. Dustin Johnson in 2016, an absolute beast off the tee. Um, 2018 and 2017, of course, Brooks Kepka, And, you know, last year, Gary Woodland, a fantastic driver of the golf ball, extremely long off the tee. For me, it's not all about accuracy off the tee. It's that total driving. It's all about those strokes gain metrics off the tee that we're looking for. And Mm. it's all very easy to think US Open Jim Furyk types. And I think that can be be something that um, is very easy to get get sucked into. The other thing this year in particular, and this is completely anti what we saw last year at Pebble Beach, I, I, I just think these green... There's a fantastic YouTube video out there that Andy Johnson has pulled together for the um, 
fried egg podcast and i and i i've tweeted it out again this afternoon um i just i urge viewers and listen sorry listeners to to uh, go and watch it um it's a great video 10 minutes and it just goes through this golf course at winged foot and it's entitled the video beautiful and scary um the golf course itself has had a, a, a Gil Hans restoration since the 2004 US Open they held here. Oh, sorry, 2006 US Open they held here. But they, they ask both Hans and Ogilvy, how would you best describe the greens? And they both come back with the same word, treacherous. Uh, Ogilvy chips in, they're scary. Um, severely pitched greens, there's false fronts all over the golf, uh, golf course. They're contoured and can you know from back to front, all over the, and they're actually they all sit pronounced, don't they, Barry? The the greens themselves mm. are always above the fairways. Yeah, they're they're just, just the weirdest looking green complexes you'll see on you know, I I've seen in my in my experience, and they just look fantastic. They they, and that to me kind of says that this U.S. Open. More than maybe, say, Pebble Beach was last year, could be far more about short game, up and down, strokes gained around the green, and, and you know, fantastic lag putting and keeping the ball below the hole. A real strategy to it this, this year at Wingfoot. What do you think? Yeah, I certainly things that are kind of popping my head for what feels like the kind of test they're going to get, which will be a level par being that target or you know barely achievable target somewhere in around that it's that inside kind of 10 foot putting you know can how good are you at just making holding those out and saving those those crucial par puts um it's um yeah if the you know, we see that at Augusta as well. You get, you get those slightly longer, you can tend to get those slightly longer puts for par. Um, it, it feels like, a, you know, you, there will be a little bit of that aspect to it. Um, mm. And certainly there's been some, you know, analogies made to the way the greens are at Augusta with these, you know, sections and large slopes and playing the ball in off these slopes. And these greens do have quite defined sections in them as well. So. Yeah. They're, they're going to give opportunities to players to get the ball in close, but um, you know, you're know you also taking on a risk by trying to get the ball in close because if you miss that little section, you really are in trouble then. So There's there's going to be some... And this, again, was on the on that actual piece that I'm, I'm describing. Treacherous, you know, treacherous two-parts if you're not on the same level, whole mm. level. And like you said, some of these greens features up feature up to you know four different kind of ledges. And if you're on the wrong ledge and you're certainly coming downhill, you're you're in for a it's 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 you know nigh on impossible for some of these for some of these lag parts. Yeah, I wonder kind of the sick part of me wants to think that you know you might see one or two guys taking wedges on the greens when they just feel like they're completely trapped with the putter. Um, you, know, you might see one or two of those this week. There's a story of Billy Casper winning around here in the past, and they they were playing a certain par three, and he was actually not even going for the green on a par three. He was laying mm. it up and then coming in with the pitch because he said that it was impossible to get the ball close on the green itself if you if you came in from distance. That's crazy. I've never heard that in my life. He won the tournament apparently, but it, like that's that's what a strong golf course can do to you like it can 
you can end up, you know, thinking your way out, you know, into fear and playing, you know, playing a bit scared. Now, obviously, his strategy worked out quite well. You know, he played to his strengths and, you know, said, figured he, I could pitch and put to get my pars on this hole. But um, it really, it really does ask very, very demanding questions of the players. And it'll be the ones who can, you know, not, not, uh, not lose their cool that will be there uh, Sunday evening. Let's take the uh, listeners through some detail. We're playing uh, Winged Foot uh, Golf Club. It's in uh, Mamaroneck, which is it's about a 45-minute drive from central New York. It's off to the uh, northeast. Um, it's an A.W. Tillinghast original, and it received a Gil Hans restoration in 2016 into 2017. Now, this golf course itself has hosted five US Opens, a PGA Championship, that was back in 1997, the US Amateur in 1940 and 2004, and the most recent was the 2006 US Open that Jeff Ogilvie won. Now, it's being the details are being uh, firmed up. It now would appear that we're, per, as per the scorecard, although whole lengths will change day by day, we're looking at a 7 1,477 yard par 70. Ouch. Just to put that into some, into some context, Oakmont in 2016, which Dustin Johnson won, was a 7,255 yard par 70. So we've, we've effectively got over 200 additional yards to what we saw at Oakmont in 2016. It's kind of Wow. Um, in terms of the course itself, the greens are around about 5,100 square feet, which isn't huge. The other uh, key feature that I always um, highlight are that the greens are a perennial poana. So no bent grass mixing in with them. They are perennial poana greens. So as we are aware as regular golf punters, Barry, we know that there are many golfers out there that do not get on with Poana whatsoever as a putting surface. I, I, yeah, I, it's funny how that happens. I mean, it's, I guess it's guys that kind of grew up on it maybe or have played on it for a long time just become accustomed to the fact that your ball's going to get knocked offline by... Uh, you know the the grass seeds at some stage of the day and you yep. just kind of have to take the rough with the smooth and so yep. maybe it's a, a mentality thing more than anything else and in, in just accepting yep. that some puts will go in and some puts won't and completely agree you know and, and it won't be your fault you could have put a perfect put on it and it's just it's just a look at the draw and it's uh, it's about how you deal with that I was listening to the No Lane Up podcast this week with Harry Higgs and he, Harry oh, Higgs brilliant. is up from New, you know, he grew up around New York and he was describing the fact that they were playing Silverado this week. Yes, the uh, Safeway Open. He said, they're Poana Greens, yeah. He said, what players, a lot of players can't get their heads around is that they'll hit a perfect putt, 10-foot putt, and for nine and a half uh, feet of that 10-foot putt, it's bang on track, and then at the mm. last minute, it hits, a, it hits something and dives to the left or dives to the right and doesn't even hit the hole. And it just screws with a lot of players' minds. Those were yeah. kind of the words he was coming with. It's a mentality thing, isn't it? 
It, it feels that way. I mean, I, I can't comment any further because I've I've never played on Poana. Um, right. So, so, well, <laughs> to be to be debated, I guess. I, I'll, I'll come back to you if I ever get a chance. Um, but yeah, I, we can only kind of best guesstimates based on what we hear and read and see and experience through uh, following golf and when it visits Poana courses and and hearing comments like that from somebody who's playing on tour. You know, like Harry Higgs. Um, like I guess helps us a lot as punters you know it's you're looking for that kind of guides me towards guys who are you know seem to be mentally stronger than others um you know won't be bitching and moaning about things so there's quite a few that will go straight on the x list you know <laughs> should we just for, say dustin johnson and, and curtail the podcast at this point joe <laughs> dustin johnson uh, to, 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 yeah i mean dustin what, johnson's what, gonna win. <laughs> what can you say about him at the moment he's or what can't you say? It's just phenomenal what he's been doing the last few weeks. Re- really incredible to watch. It's a, it's a privilege, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, it, it would be astonishing if he's not there, thereabouts. Mm. Too true. 7,477 yards. Um, it's been described in, in, in content that I've read and, and, and put... Uh, I will push people to golf betting system website there's my full research preview available on the home page right now um i'll just read a few comments here from jeff ogilvy now ogilvy won the 2006 us open uh i he said i'm i still am not the straightest hitter in the world my short game is pretty decent i've been getting it up and down from everywhere this week which is what you have to do your best day you're going to hit 12 greens out here probably I've been making a few more putts, I guess. Whenever anyone starts playing a little bit better, you've always got to look at the probably holding one more nine-footer or one more 12-footer, and that's four shots, and that's quite a lot. Mentally, every time you have a nice round in a major or a nice result, you get a bit more confident the next time you play. And it's interesting with Ogilvy. He won this in 2006, and... Just looking back at his record then, in that particular 2006 season, you don't see a whole plethora of top 10 finishes. What you do see is that he won that year the world, uh, the world WGC World Match Play in February, which was his biggest tournament victory to that point. And in the season before in 2005, at the PGA Championship, which they held at Bolter's Roll, now, Bolter's Roll is another A.W. Tillinghast golf course in New, in the New York area. He finished sixth. And again, you know, you can see that that growth of a, of a quality player that's just maturing, starting to find leaderboards in majors, then wins his first WGC. And hey, presto, three months later, comes to the US Open and he wins his first ever major championship. And that was kind of the rise of Jeff Ogilvy. Interesting in those comments, though, and he, he, he constantly mentions it again on the Fried Egg podcast. Short game. You And another comment he, he says there, you have to be really, really good from within 100 yards. That's the quote of what he says to this golf course and actually mastering this golf course. It's that short game. It's it's you know it's approach from within one hundred yards. I mean, you could have missed the fairway for a start and had to chip out. You've then got an up and down from within one hundred yards for par. 
That could mm. be one aspect. You're going to have on the par fives that kind of distance in with a wedge for your third shot. And of course, you're going to miss greens around here. So, and some of the stats that I've been looking at, it's not only scrambling, but it's scrambling from distance. So scrambling from 20 to 30 yards or scrambling from more than 30 yards. So you can get up and down from over 30 yards. I think that's going to be a, a really interesting stat to look at for this. And of course, interesting when you look at Ogilvy. This was a scenario where Ogilvy had got into... Uh, he shot five over, didn't he? And he, he was in the clubhouse yeah. and... Mickelson was on the 18th tee with a two-shot lead, was it? Mm-hmm. And Monty was all Monty was in the mix as well, wasn't he? Um, Monty, Monty just didn't... needed to hit the green from the yeah. fairway. And Monty didn't make the putt for birdie on the la on the to make the playoff with Ogilvy, did he? And Lefty just lashes it left, and and he 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 he, he seriously mucks up the last hole, and Ogilvy wins the tournament. And it's that kind of... But the thing with Ogilvy all week, he was absolutely inspired around the green. So I've just looked at Jeff Ogilvy and Phil Mickelson and what they'd been doing on the PGA Tour skill-wise before they arrived for the US Open. And there's, they're very close on a number of categories. And it's fantastic you can do this on the PGA Tour website. You can actually go to the point where they that what their stats were when they were arriving at the golf course that particular week. Both Lefty and Jeff Ogilvy, for example, were in the top 30 for strokes game putting at that point on the PGA Tour. Now, I don't think that's a fluke. They were in the top 40 for around the green, strokes gained around the green. And another fascinating angle, and this is what we were saying earlier about total driving, both Ogilvy and Lefty that season as they were arriving in New York, were in the top 30 for total driving as a statistic. And I just think that those are angles to definitely look at. Um, mm. Ogilvy and Lefty again were within the top 60 from for scrambling over 30 yards. And I just think they're angles potentially to look at if you, you know, from... From a statistical perspective, if you, if you want to model out or spread, build a spreadsheet around what kind of players at the moment would fill those criteria, strokes game putting, around the green, total driving, scrambling from over 30 yards. That's the kind of angle I'm looking at for this week. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it certainly feels like the, yeah, the total driving in the short game will be uh, probably a little bit more weighted than, say, approach shots this week. I don't yeah. know, like, I don't care how good you your approach game is, you're still going to be missing greens. Twelve and out of eighteen, according to Jeff. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you're running at sixty six percent, yeah, that's going to be high GIR. That's yeah, that's that's six, twelve, eighteen, twenty four times. Yeah. Minimum, you're going to be scrambling around this golf course. Mm, it's big, and I don't, like no matter how on point your irons are, I don't think you're going to give yourself that big a percentage of opportunities gained for birdies during the week because of these sectioned greens you really need to get get that ball into them in the right place maybe under the hole as well so a lot of the time is going to be spent just praying to get a two put a nice easy two put par maybe sneak a birdie every now and again um so yeah i think the yeah focus on that short game feels uh 
feels like the right kind of approach to take for for now. Then again, we could come to the end of the tournament and be like completely wrong, but um, it's always the best guess at this stage. Just for listeners, A.W. Tillinghast designs around the Big Apple area. I mentioned Bolter's role. That held the 2005 PGA Championship, which I believe was won by... Was that the year Davis Love won? Potentially. Don't quote me on that. I was just a baby back then, Steve. So was I. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We all were. (laughs) But we will remember the 2016 PGA Championship won by Jimmy Walker at Baltus Roll a few years ago. Uh, Another Tin Haas design is Beth Page State Park, the Black Course, very infamous, and we've had a lot of recent um, tournament experience there. 2000 and 2009 US Opens. We had the 2019 PGA Championship, and we also had the 2012 and 2016 Barclays tournaments hold there on the held there on the black course and also Ridgewood Country Club now that again is another horn of the PGA Tour event they play at New York every year that hosted the 2010 and 2014 Barclays and also the 2018 Northern Trust which many of you will remember was won by one Bryson DeChambeau. So if you're looking for players that play well on Tillinghast golf courses in this particular area, look for Bolter's Roll, look for Beth Page Black, and also look for Ridgewood Country Club. I don't think you'll be a million miles away. Now, this particular course, in terms of wing foot, just wanted to quickly look at what kind of rainfall they'd had here. Because as you know, Paul, uh, no, Barry, I'm on default with Paul. Um, as you know, course conditions very much can be very much dictated by just the you know the, the local weather. It was interesting they were mentioning last week at the Tour Championship at East Lake that that that, that uh, Atlanta had uh, experienced um, record amounts of rain in August, and they couldn't get the course as firm and the greens as fast as they usually did, and that was noticeable in the scoring early on in that. Um, but going, coming back to wing foot, September so far, they've received just 22 millimetres of rain so far. In August, it was 73 millimetres. And in terms of this month, September, nine mil- within the last week, they, they've just had nine millimetres of rain, which was actually yesterday and into this morning. Now, That's nothing. Forecasts are forecast. Yes, I know that. But if you actually look at the forecast, they're not forecasting any substantial rain between now and the start of the tournament and during the tournament. Mm. Um, wind, I mean, again, we're sitting here, um, what, 10 days before the tournament actually, well, 10 days Not before even. it ends, but a week before it starts. Yeah. However, there could be breezes potentially over the weekend, next weekend, up to 20 miles an hour. That's not only really a breeze, that's getting quite strong. Um, and it just, it, you kind of put yourself in the USGA shoes, don't you? Now that Mike Davis has kind of stepped aside, what kind of target score would they like this week at Winged Foot? Because from what we've seen, from what you've seen, it's fairly obvious this course could be could really be set up to be as hard as you want it to be. Mm. Throwing 20 mile an hour wins. And if the fairways are running a little bit, you know, balls just going through the corners into rough. Oh my God, greens are bouncing. 
There will be graduated or, rough. The USGA do that, but I've I've even read from people on the ground and from and from um, analysts over there that the USGA might be targeting up to five and a half, six inches of rough in, in parts. So yeah, if you miss the fairway a little bit, graduated rough, one and a half, two inches. If you go beyond that, you're into five and a half, six inch mm. kind of stuff. Also took on board some information about the course in terms of just how it looks, how it plays. And again, I'll refer um, listeners to YouTube. There is a USGA um, video out there with all 18 holes and flyovers of those holes. Fantastic to watch. And you can just make some interesting notes from it. Notes that I've made on it. To me, and I've also read this on Twitter and had some feedback around this from guys that played the course regularly, it seems to be a course that's almost kind of going against what we've got used to on the PGA Tour recently that actually favours a draw shot shape. And as we know now, with a lot of the top, top players, they prefer to fade the golf ball. John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, you know, it's, it's an easy list to make. I just went through the, the course today on the flyovers, and to me... It looks like seven holes fade a draw and only two of the holes fade, actually favour the fade off the tee. I'm talking par fours and par fives, yeah? Just before I lose the point in my head, yeah, of with the graduated rough that they you know, historically you know, set up for many a year before you know, their little um, jaunt off to like Chambers Bay and you know, Pinehurst, this is this is going to be very interesting in that there's no crowds there no. this week to to make that extreme miss maybe not so bad with trample down rough so genuinely the further away from the target area you are fairway and or greens the more your punishment is going to is going to be you're not going to have those trample down areas where if you go 15 yards wide of the fairway you're okay so it's going to play as true as possible to what they wanted to play. Um, and in that respect, it's probably the fairest that it's going to be. Um, sorry, it's hard to cut across you. Just I had to That's right, get that in before, before we disappeared down a different avenue. I completely the... agree. Now, I just had a quick chat with Greg Ducharme last week, who hosts the First Cut podcast for CBS over in the States. And he's... He's local to Wingfoot and he plays the course fairly regularly. He confirmed that the Greens are Poana. But a really interesting point and a point that he continues to make on the podcast, he was he even made it yesterday, is he thinks that this golf course seriously favours the draw. This is a guy that plays the course. And he said one of the reasons why that is, it's not just the shape of the holes, the fact that there are lots of you know um, dog legs to the left, it's also that a lot of the fairways themselves are, can, are, absent, are, are canted. And what that, that works against the fade shot shape. And he said that if you're going to get firm and fast fairways, and looking at the weather forecast and the amount of rain that they've had, would suggest that they can get these, these fairways running. If you're hitting a lot of these holes with a fade shot shape, and you're then hitting a fairway that's still cantered away from you and away mm -hmm. from that. It's taking you into that rough on the on the right side of the hole, and it could be taking you into the really thick stuff, especially if you're miscalculating your tee shot or mishitting your tee shot. So I think it's really important to take this kind of information on board. 
He also mentioned that on some of the holes, it's not even that imperative to be in the fairway to a such an extent. It's, it depends on where the, clearly the coal is cut. It's sometimes best to be in the light or the lighter rough on the right side of the fairway to attack the pin and in, on the opposite side of the green itself. Um, I've also read that we could be seeing fairways as tight as 22 yards wide this week. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's seven thousand four hundred and seventy-seven yards to the tips. Wow! I can't. I must say, I don't think I've ever been so excited for a major as this. Yeah, this is going to be pretty special. I think so. Yeah. I, so, like, in terms of um, golfers who are, let's say, uh, popping your head for drawing the golf ball, mm-hmm. you know, at that like higher level, let's say. Ones that will come into my head be Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Um, like you'd put Bubba in there as a lefty and Phil as a lefty because mm-hmm. they can, they'll be fading the ball. Um, whether Bubba's got the mental fortitude to deal with the US Open test yeah. uh, remains to be seen. And probably you know, until he proves otherwise, I'd say that it's just not one for him. Um, Phil, Phil could be anything. Honestly, he. <laughs> You know, winning the Champions Tour there a few weeks ago, he's 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 playing decent enough golf, you could argue. Um, he's gone back to a place where he was close to success, um, albeit 14 years ago. But you know, he's got the distance. Is is there that fairy tale story for Phil getting the U.S. Open win? Yeah, uh, not not for me personally. Um, you forgot. I mean, I've always had Shane Lowry down as a good draw with a golf ball. Mm-hmm. Um, another player towards the top of the market whose stock shot is the draw, and that kind of makes him almost unfashionable these days, is one Xander Chauvelet. He's a draw with a golf ball. Um, and this is, does, like, this is the point. That... A lot of the top, top players, and we also haven't mentioned one Rory McIlroy, um, mm. but... A lot of the top guys now that they, they 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 hit the fade, you know, a regular amount of time off the tee. That is their preferred shot shape. And yeah, they can hit draws. I mean, these are the best players in the world. But clearly, you know, what kind of space does this put Tiger Woods in this week? You know, because Woods can move the ball whatever way he wants to. He's always been absolutely fantastic off off the tee and and being able to, you know, just move the. But moved the ball in any of those nine quadrants they talk around in terms of shot shape and you know height. Like maybe Woods could be a, a factor this week if he can hit hit enough requisite fairways because his approach play since he's come back has been very very good. It's 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 been more about the putting that's the problem with Tiger, and on these greens that that could be a that could be a, a, a fatal blow I suppose. If you if you haven't got confidence with a putter coming to some of the trickiest putting surfaces that we've seen for a long, long time. I'm trying to think of other drawers with the golf ball and failing dismally. Hmm. Hmm. I did think Webb Simpson, but I just genuinely think that Webb Simpson at a 7,500-yard par 70 just isn't going to be long enough off the tee. And I just don't fancy him on Poana Greens. Makes you wonder why I put a bet on him a few weeks ago, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> it, was, it was a small bet. I, I blame the fact it was early in the morning. 
it'll be interesting to see. You know, these guys, you know, obviously guys, they don't seem to care about the shape of their um, ball flight too much anymore. They'll just, you know, they'll play their stock shape rather than trying to shape the ball with the hole. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if there's any guys who'll just dial it back with a three wood to try and ensure getting the fairway or if they just wail away on it and get it as far down as possible. Like they seem to the do quite regularly. Yeah, like they seem to do quite regularly these days. They just suck it up that I'd rather be further down and in the rough than, you know, a little bit shorter and still possibly missing the fairway. Yeah, I can see uh, that. It's, uh, another I guess another one of my records that's a, a predominant draw of the golf ball is Louis Oosthuizen, who we know is a fantastic player at majors. When he pops out, pops up and mm. can be bothered. Louis a draw of the golf ball. But yeah, Neiman ne- draws it a, a bit as well. I, 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 Kind of move it both ways. Yoking, yeah. yeah. I think if you're a confident mover of the golf ball both ways, it won't be a problem. But if, you know, I, I watch some of these Pro Tracer um, videos that you can you can get quite readily now on YouTube, and, and you watch even some of the very best players, and they're asked to draw a golf ball if they're, and they struggle. I mean, I watched some John Rahm shots recently, and he, he was having, uh, I'm trying to remember what the golf course was. Um, might have been Olympia Fields. No, oh, no, it wasn't. It was um, the FedEx St. Jude a while ago, and there was one hole where he had to had to draw it off the tee, and, and it was just wild, absolutely wild. And then for the rest of the time, with his fade, he was hitting every fairway. It just makes you wonder, especially if this if this is a test where they've got those firm fairways, and you have got this uniqueness about it, where so many of these fairways are tilting against the the fade shot shape. It could be it could be a a kind of factor that you need to take a take a real view on. That was my view on it. So yeah, I mean weather wise, it looks to me as if the USGA really will be able to set it up however they want to. You know, there's it's not going to be wet. Uh, the temperatures are going to be around that 23, 27 degrees both in the build up and during the tournament. And breeze, you know, wind wise, uh, Friday looks fairly calm at the moment. Thursday, Friday, there's nothing major to report. But if this front does come in on the Saturday, and all of a sudden we're talking 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, um, they might have to get the hoses out and uh, actually calm those green surfaces down a little bit. Yeah, I, I I think they've kind of, over the last few years, they've proven they've sort of learned their lesson about letting golf courses go. And I mean, the closest they got might have been was Shinnecock a couple of years back, yeah. um, you know, and, and Phil with his putting it, you know, <laughs> putting the ball that was moving. But I mean, they only probably lost that by an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And if you could argue whether they lost it at all, you know, it was on the edge. But um, I think they'll, yeah, I think we're just going to see them probably nail it you know they've, they've got complete control of it by you know if the weather forecast stays the same and the way it has been in the build-up they they do have complete control of the course and if they uh, if they pull it off it should be it should be a phenomenal major to watch it should be excellent must be uh, as i said i think you know from a from a punting perspective and a viewing perspective and the fact that it's on the east coast of america this time around we're not going to be sitting up over here in the uk till 3 in the morning 4 in the that morning that helps it, it yeah. helps that we can just sit there with a cup of cocoa on sunday evening and actually watch the uh, the tournament to its end quite comfortably i think from a punting perspective it's going to be also quite mentally challenging because you know we're all we're all going to have a few uh, guys backed and you know, it's you're they're going to be making bogeys and doubles, and you hope they don't make triples. But it's it's going to be a bit of an emotional roller coaster. 
I don't, there'll be no player uh, that gets through this week unscathed or without wobbly points or multiple wobbly points. So uh, I guess you, you can't really ask for much more entertainment than that. So just hope you come out with um, you know a bit of profit at the end of the week. And if you have a chance to get the winner, amazing. Just a couple more points and then we'll close it down. Um, clearly our main US Open podcast will be out uh, at the start of next week where we'll go through all of our... Uh, our picks for the week, Barry's, Paul's, and myself's. Um, 97, Davis Love the third one here. And in 2006, as we said, it was Jeff Ogilvy. Now, Love won at 11 under. Ogilvy won the uh, US Open at five over. If you just take the the skit, I mean, we're talking a long time ago. With, with The course has been renovated since, but it's just worth looking at. I just took the two wins, what the guys did well, and you know, just had a look at those numbers. Uh, skill averages, driving distance, they they averaged fourth in distance off the tee. Uh, Ogilvy was sixth, and Davis loved the week he won was first for driving distance. So fourth for driving distance, 21st for accuracy, 13th for green in regulation, fifth for scrambling. There's a surprise. Uh, Davis Love was fourth for scrambling when he won the PGA, and Ogilvy was fifth. He actually scrambled at 70%, which is amazing at a US Open, that difficult. Putting average 18th, so it's not a putting contest, it's just basically you know missing or trying to not make doubles and bogeys, just keep par golf. But these numbers grab me as well. Third for total driving on the week, fourth for ball striking, and of course, second for all round. I mean, that's stating the obvious, and, and it's kind of close to what you <laughs> yeah. said at the top, isn't it? It's basically we need all-rounders, and someone that's going to play the best all-round golf on the week, guess what? They'll win the tournament. Uh, those those statistics certainly back that up. Other thing I quickly looked at, correlating course form. Now, the last three winners here have been Fuzzy Zeller in 84, Davis Love and Jeff Ogilvy. And what courses on the PGA Tour do those guys all have had success at? And th- this is a short list. I, you know, I urge you to just look into it in a bit more detail if you've got time. Uh, courses I noticed where that these guys kind of had, have had good results together. Kapalua, where they played a tournament of champions over in Hawaii in January. Torrey Pines. That probably won't surprise you because, of course, Torrey Pines features Poana Greens. As does Pebble Beach. They've all had success there. Fuzzy Zeller won at Pebble Beach. Davis Love the Third is a two-time winner at Pebble Beach. And we've got Ogilvy having some success there as well. Riviera is another. That, again, features Poana Greens in Los Angeles. Then we've got Bay Hill. Augusta National, Zello a winner. Uh, Love the Third, two top fives there. Jeff Ogilvy and four top tens. And Jeff Ogilvy's had a fourth at Augusta National. Interesting that those greens at Augusta National, it is mentioned that the undulations, the pitch, the, the, the creativity you need on those greens is similar. The only other course similar to this would be Augusta National. And there you go. You've got three guys there with excellent finishes at Augusta National. Other courses like Colonial, Muirfield Village, Jack Nicholas's golf course, and uh, TPC Summerlin, which I found interesting. That's where they play the Shriners every year. Uh, Fuzzy Zeller won there in Las Vegas. Uh, Davis Love has won there. And uh, Jeff Ogilvie's had a top four finish at TPC Summerlin. So if you've got nothing else better to do, just do some course research and you might find players that can tick a lot of those course boxes in terms of where they've done well in the past. I'll tell you where I'm at, Barry. I am looking for players who are, are driving the ball right now extremely well. 
That's exactly where I'm at. And actually, when we've had pretty much the top 30 players in the world playing the Tour Championship last week, it's quite easy to look at that tournament and kind of see what skill sets were working for each for those players that week in Atlanta and take that as a base. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've, we've got a few bets on already. I know I have. I think you've got a couple of anti-posts on. We yep. won't mention too many other names. We can uh, save that for the pod at this, yep. uh, on Monday. Absolutely. Get, get stuck in. But uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that we were saying today that's kind of backed up the initial, um, let's say, uh, trigger f- itchy trigger finger that I had on a couple of bets. And, you know, a few things you've talked about today and we're kind of fleshing out in the conversation that makes me feel a little bit better about them or a bit more confident in them than than I was maybe uh, like fired off punts. So, look, I take it you're playing some golf over the weekend. You can just kind of mull over some players as you're playing over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, we've um, it's round one of our captain's prize this weekend, so that's that's uh, in line for me tomorrow. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they've let the rough grow a little bit in the last few days. But um, how fast they try to get the greens? It is September in Ireland, so uh, the the element of control isn't quite as uh, quite as much there as it will be for the guys in winged foot next week. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'll, I'll probably be focusing on my own game a little bit more yeah, than uh, the US Open just for the few hours tomorrow. One thing to point out before we go, um, we're recording this Friday afternoon ho- uh, over here. Well, I'm in the UK and Barry's in the Republic of Ireland. Um, Paddy Power have already launched their US Open market and it features 10 places each way next week for the US Open. So Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook are already 10 places each way of 50 odds for the 2020 US Open next week. So go and pay them a visit if you're looking for some each way action next week. I think that's about it, Barry. That's good. Yeah. Let's wrap it up and get to the weekend. And, Absolutely. Um, See uh, see if there's any moments of inspiration hit us before Monday's pod. We will be back, yes, either Monday or early Tuesday morning. We'll Maybe be actually a Tuesday. Yeah, 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 Tuesday, we'll, we'll, won't yeah. it? We'll be yeah. releasing the podcast next Tuesday. So uh, we'll go through in more detail our full selections for the US Open at Wingfoot next week. Well, Barry, thank you very much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. So it's always fun to be on. Um, you know, if any any listeners have any thoughts on the course or who might suit us, uh, send us tweets. Absolutely. Barry's at a good talk golf. I'm at Bamford Golf. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>